Hey, Trekkies, and welcome to Trek Freaks, a part of the Geek Freaks podcast family. In this podcast, we review episodes of Star Trek, starting with the original series. My name is John, I'll be one of your hosts, joined by my brother and good friend and special co-host, Frank. Special co-host. Hey guys, how's it going? <laughs> uh, so Frank, what episode are we reviewing today? Today we're reviewing uh, you know, the original series, season 1, episode 11 and 12, The Menagerie Part 1 and 2. Twice. I love two-parters. Yes. All right, before we dive in, let me ask you a question, though. Aboard the Enterprise, do you think you'd be able to keep a secret? Would you be able to deceive your crewmates? That is really hard. I would, like, normally I think I could keep a secret just fine. Well, no, I'm a Gabby guy. I'm a, there's no <laughs> chance. I would be spreading rumors so fast. I'd be like, did you hear what Uhura did? Yeah, there's no chance. I'd be telling secrets. What about you? Right. I, I think it would be really, really hard because you're with these people every waking moment so they know you and on top of that i mean everybody has a very scheduled routine uh, you do the same things all the time even recreationally you probably do mostly the same things uh, but you also have a ship full of sensors so yeah you know if somebody really wants to check on what you're doing why why is you know frank not at the station on tuesdays for some reason uh you know they could track you down so i think it'd be really hard to to lie to people I don't know. We'll uh, we'll see. Apparently, it is possible. Well, and boredom has to be a problem on Enterprise. The walls are all the same color. Uh, they don't have mm-hmm. holodecks yet. There's only so many books in the world. So eventually, mm-hmm. you're just so bored that you can be like talking smack. I think that's good. that's about to happen. Yeah. Trying to trying to play tricks. I would like to see. I mean, I could totally see it in lower decks, but it'd be yeah. fun to see another Star Trek too, where they get bored and they just start pranking on each other. Oh, that'd be so like. Oh, Tom Paris know, and Harry Kim. Right there. Yeah, like you go to put on your boots and they're full of whipped cream or something like that. You know? <laughs> I like how uh, we're, we're seeing these like starships as like high schools with like extra science classes. <laughs> That's what it sounded yeah. like. Right now. <laughs> exactly. That'd be great. Oh, oh good. All right, let's jump into the warp speed recap. The Enterprise receives an urgent message asking for them to divert course to Starbase Eleven. Once they arrive, Commodore Mendez and his staff were confused. They didn't send a message, nor are they in any crisis. The message was sent by Captain Pike, the previous captain of the Enterprise. Mendez explains why this is not quite possible. Uh, there was a terrible accident, and Captain Pike, Pike risked his life to save several children. Unfortunately, the injuries he suffered left him crippled. He is unable to move or speak. He on- his only means of communication are the uh, beeping light on his chair. Uh, that he can control to signal a yes or no answer. After speaking to Captain Pike alone, Spock sneaks into the computer center on the starbase. Uh, it's clear he has uh, he is up to something. After incapacitating the staff, uh, he hacks the computer to send false messages to the Enterprise in the voice of Captain Kirk. With this, with this, Spock beams Pike and himself onto the ship, where uh, he then takes command. They break orbit and leave Captain Kirk behind. Kirk and Mendez pursue in a shuttlecraft. They find their fuel supply is no match for the Enterprise, but when seeing, when seeing this, Spock stops the ship to allow them to catch up. Before they board, Spock sets the ship to auto-navigate and turns himself over to Dr. McCoy for mutiny. Once aboard, Captain Kirk quickly realizes that he is unable to override the auto-navigation commands uh, given by Spock. Uh, Their destination, the forbidden Talos IV. Spock's hearing begins almost immediately. 
<clears throat> Once on trial, Spock chooses to introduce video evidence that will shed light on his reasonings. The video is a very vivid recall of Captain Pike's uh, first encounter with Talos IV. The Talosians, whom possess great mental abilities, captured him in hopes that they could create a new colony of humans to work as their slaves, but in a blissful, dreamlike paradise. This was deemed impossible when they found how humans despise captivity no matter how great the cage, and will die for freedom. Before they left, they did find that the human woman chosen to be Pike's mate, Vina, was truly uh, disfigured and only living a normal life due to the illusions imposed on her by the Talosians. After seeing this evidence, Kirk is pressed to consider the options. This is much more than could be anticipated. Captain Pike will spend the rest of his days in a chair with no quality of life. However, on Talos, he can live like Vina, with Vina, in a blissful illusion with no pain or suffering. As Kirk turns to debate this with Commodore Mendez, Mendez vanishes before his eyes. How could this be? Spock explains that he was an illusion from the beginning. A necessary ruse to delay judgment until Kirk could see all of the evidence. Unhappy with being manipulated, but nonetheless, Kirk agrees. After confirming with Captain Pike, he asks Spock to beam Pike down to uh, bring Pike to the transporter room to beam down to Talos IV. And that is it. Our, our crew continues on. During credits, just to add to your warp, I guess. During credits, we do see that uh, he that both Pike and um, Vina are like happily ever after. They like walk back into the cage. They climb up the rock. Yeah. Yeah, and that's funny. That's 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 footage from the original. But in the original, in the cage, that wasn't actually Pike. That was the illusion of Pike being given to her. Yeah, yeah. They they like cut pieces up and stuff like that. We'll talk. I have some trivia for you at the end of this, by the way. That's part of it. Ooh. So we'll go into that later on. I like yeah, I love trivia. All right. So let's go into our scene by scene. You want to? We'll just go back to the beginning, right? Start from. From where it starts out. First off, not not that it matters at all, but we see that the the planet that this uh, star base is on, which I don't think they name it, uh, but it has like a purple glow to it. I thought that was a very simple kind of cool effect to make the planet look, you know, unique. Well, I will say it seems like this episode had a higher budget, and I think a lot of that goes to the fact that most of this footage, uh, well, I mean, like almost most of the footage for this whole entire two-parter, is from an already filmed pilot, which already itself had a mm. lot of funding, really. Um, so that's why this episode's a little weird because you guys on Trek Freaks have already covered this episode. It was your premiere episode as well. And we've already heard this story before. So I think they're like, well, okay, we'll put the budget into the one time that something new's happening and that's all on this planet. Because they have an exterior mm -hmm. shot too, an establishing shot where they show like the streets. And the streets are actually pretty solid detail. They actually look really nice. So you're like, yeah. oh, hold on. This isn't just the same cave formation we've seen before. This is, they built this. This is a new thing. And even like that room that Spock goes into that has all the computers in it, that's a lot of lights yeah. and switches to put in. That was a lot of work. That looks good. Right. And that might be a different angle from the engineering room on the ship, mm -hmm. the engineering set, but it, it, I mean, at least it's similar technology, similar setup, but yeah, it could be a whole new, new room. But yeah, like you say, when they beam down the, the, he, they beam down to like a courtyard, yeah. which looks really nice. It's a well, well designed set. And I like that it looks finished. But that makes me wonder, they have this transporter technology. You could, couldn't you beam onto somebody walking by 
you would think yeah. and that's why they, that's why they have transporter operators to make sure yeah. you know you're going into a safe spot but wouldn't they have just like helicopter pads wouldn't they have transporter pads in every main city and every star base and stuff like You'd that assume so, I think right? they should have a yeah a designated landing spot for transporters but yeah i don't know could, could you imagine like Oh man, my first day on the job when I teleported in front of the commander. Oh no, you know, it's like all kinds of little mishaps <laughs> right? that would happen. Or you spilled my coffee when uh, you transported me. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. That's one thing that's kind of underappreciated is the expertise that has to go behind operating a transporter. Sometimes they'll do emergency transports and just give the computer commands to do an a transport. And you're thinking like, dude, how easy is it to scramble up someone's code, let alone like put them in a wall or, you know, not replace the air with them and then the air is inside of them or you know something it's gotta be gotta be tricky in the jj films they did a really good job of making transporter cool again uh there mm -hmm. was a couple times where he's like you're want like simon Pegg first off is awesome and he played scotty but um he was kind of like doing this thing like you want me to teleport somebody while we're warping while we're doing this and he's like ramping at the stakes of the entire time so we're about to see something we've seen before just teleportation but yeah. now that he's ramped up the stakes all the time, you're like, can he do it? Whoa! And it's just so cool. Yeah. And then another time, like, Kirk is falling with, with um, I don't know who he's falling actually with, but they teleport him. It's got all these things we had seen before, but yet I really think those those J.J. Abrams movies really made that cool again. That was, that's a cool. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, like you're saying, they raise the stakes. Like, we, we get used to it and think, yeah. oh, this is easy, but no, this is, like, magic science. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's just stuff that and our world shouldn't even be feasible or con you know conceptually possible. And here they they make magic happen. So yeah. that's pretty awesome. Um, uh, when the, so they go to the real quick, they right. they're met by a woman. Do you know the the name of that woman that they're met by when they get down there? I don't. She looked familiar. Yeah, though. She I kind of think she was in a previous episode. Right. Okay, I didn't do homework enough to find who she was. But well, I, I've seen that yeah. several times now. I I notice I recognize the face of a woman. It's like maybe in the next episode actually too. Like maybe she's just an extra or something right. like that but it's like i think she was used somewhere uh, but i know star trek's known for that too re reusing a lot of the same crew as much as they can oh yeah it's cheaper to do it that way um they already know that one of the uniforms will fit her so that's good um <laughs> exactly. i will i wanted to point something out and it's something that star trek mm -hmm. the, the original series uh definitely has a flaw with and was really common before this era and like the 60s was when it was ending so tos is one of the last shows to do this they do a thing where when they're doing a close-up on a female actress, they'll um, do what's called a soft focus. So they'll mm -hmm. literally put a filter on called the soft focus filter, or they'll rub Vaseline on the lens. And what it does is it makes them glow a little bit more, and it takes away mm -hmm. the lines or any blemishes on their face. So it's like really screwed up because you'll have the exact same conversation going on between Kirk and this young woman that we don't know her name. But, and he's crisp, sharp, looks you know normal, whatever. But then you go to her and it's like mm -hmm. glowing and like you don't see wrinkles on her. Women are perfect all the time. You know, this right. is the future. So it's just something when you guys watch Star Trek, because it's, it's kind of the end of the era of this type of filming. Pay attention to that. You'll notice that whenever it's a close shot, close up shot of a woman, especially someone that's unique to that episode, they, they do that soft glow thing. And it's there's also like a thing with shadows. They don't do it in this episode, but at some point we good to mention. Um, but yeah, th it's kind of one of those filming tricks to like make women look prettier and it's like, Ooh, this show is old school. <laughs> yeah. And I think they, they do an exaggerated version of that, obviously in, um, the first episode of Harry Mudd, Mudd's women, I think it right. is a lot uh, of that, where yeah. he has the three, the three ladies and he's, yeah, he's trying to sell them and they're supposed to be seductive and stuff, but yeah, they definitely like have a glow and different lighting mm -hmm. and 
the sound music changes and all that. But yeah, I didn't realize that that is there's a touch of that in most scenes with the woman. It's well, it's called soft focus. It was part of old Hollywood, and you'll see it a lot mm-hmm. back then. And to think that Star Trek was still doing it was like, oh wait, I thought that we were done with this by now. Gene Roddenberry's <laughs> a pretty advanced guy for this, but yeah, it was still something that was being done to make the girls look prettier. So something to think about yeah. when you're watching them. <laughs> yeah. So after this, we go to the Commodore's office, uh, Commodore Mendez. Yeah. And we see we see him and Kirk are debating like how could how could we receive this message and you guys didn't send it, and I I kind of like this because it shows Kirk is so adamant that Spock is his guy and he is loyal and there's no way he could betray him and all this he's he to a fault really, mm-hmm. uh, so it, it kind of it helped it develops both characters in a way that like you see how loyal Kirk is to Spock. He's not even questioning. He, he didn't even ask him, is there a chance you misread this or something like that? He didn't even consider it. He goes to defend him before bringing it up. And you know uh, what? But, you don't see a lot of fighting going on. Arguments at, to the scale in Starfleet. Mm-hmm. And this, by the way, I want to make sure to, to, to remind everybody, this is actually Commodore Mendez. This isn't the fake version yet. That doesn't happen until they're on the shuttle. So this mm-hmm. is the real version. And they're having an argument like you would see two people having an argument in the middle of a bar after having too many like normally starfleet like when somebody has a disagreement it's like this almost kind of stoic quiet grumpiness walk away kind of thing like oh i'm upset with myself now but no they they were actually like arguing and i like that it showed real emotion and yeah i mean that's what they show that more often especially with spock in the room who you know of course just reflects all that away even more so he really amplifies it whenever it's in the room yeah so, so after this, they, they're brought to Pike and uh, Commodore explains like, hey, you know, this is what happened to him. So he's going to be injured and stuff. So they, they meet Pike and Pike doesn't want to even talk to any of them. Right. What do you think that is? They, they come in. I mean, even, even Spock is there and he asks, you know, can we speak to you as, as the group? And he says, no. Well, you know, I just, I, you know, he just doesn't look that great. I think he's like always trying to be his best and he's got a little bit of a blemish going on. I think that's might be what it is. <laughs> he's just not comfortable with with his, he's, he's okay. got a wrong side of the bed face going on there. Um, that's true. And he's got to be in a point of despair in his life. Anyway, yeah. he just doesn't, doesn't want cheering up kind of well, thing. Well, what's the, we have to talk about it. This wheelchair. Yeah. Oh God. Let's yeah. talk about it. I'm glad you brought it. I, I was going to get to it at some point. Well, but... I mean, first off, I, okay. The first time I experienced it, Futurama. What about you? Futurama. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. But oh, I, I, I believe it was another podcast I listened to where they explained the backstory of this chair, oh, and I, I need to find it. I, okay, I should I, sh- I should come to this with proper research, but <laughs> but they said I believe they said it was fourteen thousand dollars that they they what? spent to have this. It might have been more than that, but I want to say it was at least was, the enterprise is cheaper 000. than that, <laughs> right? They spent that to have this thing built, and then after it was built, it never worked like they wanted it to it barely would drive that's why people are always pushing it yeah it wouldn't actually operate well on its own uh that's and they just had so many problems it was it was so heavy they had a hell of a time moving it from set to set and stuff and i remember uh in the i think it was a, it must have been a podcast i was listening to because they were talking about a scene where it was on the transporter pad and i was like there's no ramps off the transporter yeah. pad so what's gonna happen and they just cut scenes they just you know from one scene to the next it was moved so people must have picked it up but the guys were like, dude, you spent so much on this chair and it, it's the future. Why not have a button that makes it hover so it could just teleport, you know, lift off and set back down? <laughs> or a damn screen that says yes or no. 
<laughs> why right? is it smiley face sad face fourteen thousand dollars and one light <laughs> that's all you got <laughs> put on there you could have right. just put that on a go-kart it would have been the same effect <laughs> like, what? Right. Oh, well and the thing to me that I, mean, I, I noticed that though mccoy later on is like or spark or whomever and i think it's mccoy is actually pushing the chair but in other scenes you see the chair moving on its own so i bet they had to change plans mid-filming when they're like fail. the damn thing's not yeah. working <laughs> no. yeah that's so bad. So the the way I justify it in my head is this this machine and fourteen thousand dollars stuff. The reason why he has to be in it is it must be his life support. Okay, it's got to be an iron lung that happens to be on wheels. So whatever happened to him that other than the scars on his face, you know, this is keeping his body alive to some extent. We we know and he then, got hit by delta rays. Have we heard of delta yeah. rays before? I haven't heard of that before. I don't think so. It must be a thing. It probably is a real thing because I know gamma rays. Right, that's Hulk. So that's a thing, and that's G. Delta's D. So I'm, I'm assuming like I'm not doing all my science based off Hulk's math, but using right. Hulk math, <laughs> Delta raised me something. So if you guys out there that are like, you know, radiologists, oh, I use that right. That's the right term. Radiologists. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah. Uh, let us know let what us Delta know. rays are and what their effects on the body is. Do they create giant purple scars? That's what we need to know. Yeah. And do gamma rays create Hulks? Because... I might be tripping in front of a gamma yeah. ray every once in a while here pretty I soon. I think if that's I possible. saw a gamma ray machine on Amazon. I'm, I'm debating <laughs> about it. <laughs> Is that what happens when you leave the microwave door open and you turn it on? I've been Somebody trying. I'm not hulking out yet. I keep doing it. I'm like, pants first, right, guys? That's what I heard. Oh, no, that's the problem. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think you're just sterile now, Frank. Oh, shoot. <laughs> I'm not a hulk. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, goodness. Uh, Where were we at? <laughs> okay. <laughs> right. Uh, so. So we see right away, as soon as Spock uh, re- rehashes, I guess, with Pike or yeah. talks to Pike, he's, he's already so determined to take action. Love it. He knows. He already says, this is something I must do. I must do this. And he sounds emotional already in this, in this passion that he has. So, and I understand he spent so many years with Captain Pike and he, you know, probably has a, a father-son relationship with him or something like that. Like, he feels loyal to him. But why do you think, aside, I guess aside from that, <laughs> that should be enough right there. But why do you think he would, he would come to this as a, I must do this no matter, like, he, what we know he's going to do, he's, he's, right. he's going to take Pike from where he's at and try to bring him to Talos 4. But he, he's willing to risk his life, his career, the career of his captain. This is a lot to, to save, not even to save. Captain Pike could live a life. It's going to be a crappy life. To, to redeem the quality of life that he can have, he's willing to risk everything. Yeah, you, Why do you think that is? I, do you think that, that balances out? I don't know. Okay, so we know that Captain Kirk and him and, and Kirk and Spock will have a friendship that like you know withstands everything. But you're right with that yeah. father-son thing, maybe this is what they have over there because he was an ensign when he joined the ship. Um, you know what's really exciting is we're going to find out why in Strange New World it's going to develop their relationship more. And so we're going to figure out, and I hope in Strange New World they do do a father-son thing or something different than what he has with Kirk. Because obviously that bond mm-hmm. with Kirk is so important. We want to make sure that it doesn't tarnish it, but is an alternative to it. Um, yeah, I don't know why he was... I just think it's just Spock. I think Spock, when he finds that loyalty in somebody else, he delivers. Even so much, though, that he's willing to be killed for. Right? That's That was the sentence. Um, but I did like that. I did like that it showed kind of... Because this was the first time we saw that out of Spock. That kind of loyalty out of him mm-hmm. was right here. Yeah. And I wonder... I don't remember it from the first... From the cage, but... Maybe there was a, a point where he gave him some kind of vow, or maybe we maybe we haven't seen that, but maybe we'll see that in Strange New World. In Strange New Worlds, yeah. Um, but so, yeah, some kind of vow of dedication. Like I could imagine a scene would be great to put in Strange New Worlds where 
Spock's, uh, uh, Pike saves Spock's life or repeatedly saves his life or saves his planet or something like that. And then he vows himself with, you know, a, a debt of his life to protect him. And that would be a good one, actually. If they write it into where he does something to save all of Vulcan, uh, that would be that'd be pretty dope. I could totally see. Or well, what about this? What if they're both like stuck on a planet? They think they're going to die. So they're kind of like drinking the last of their ale or something like that, kind of just like finally relaxing. And Pike's mm-hmm. like, you know, if I'm ever going to die, I'd like to go back to that Talos that we were at a long time ago. Uh, and so it's like an old yeah. drinking buddy promise, something like that. Yeah. As a piece of like, because hmm. there is humanity within Spock. We know that much, right? So it'd be kind yeah. of cool to see those moments shine. Strange New World, guys. We're putting a lot of weight on that show. It better kill it. <laughs> we are, right. we are expecting a lot. <laughs> right. Uh, okay, so we see Spock goes into the computer center, which it's kind of funny. They have a computer center because yeah. computers were so new. They were, they were huge machines, yeah. and now, now they're in our pockets. <laughs> but uh, he goes in the computer center, and he's, he's able to, to um, do the, the Vulcan pressure pinch or whatever mm-hmm. on two different guys and disables them. And he hacks into the computer. <laughs> yeah, <and laughs> I guess. <laughs> hacks in. He has to oh, yeah, open the back and has to rearrange some wires to be able to bypass the safety or something. These color-coded and, discs that go in there that have oh, pre-recorded lines. Right. I love this super oh, odd, the simplicity. Like how they thought our future was going like, to be. How technology is going to evolve. They're Pokemon. Oh, floppy disks. Yeah. Well, they're like Pokemon cartridges yeah. for the Game Boy, guys. Remember when they were colors? Like you yeah. got the red one and you got the blue one. It looked like he was switching those yeah. out. Like this red one, which has Charizard on the front, happens to be Kirk's voice saying the exact thing I need him to say, which I for some reason have. Yeah. Boop. <laughs> Put that in. <laughs> and he like prompts himself up so that he could talk on the speaker. But I just like how he's like, time for the yellow one. <laughs> and he puts that one in. Yeah. I will note, so, by the yeah. way, during the fight, he actually, I don't know if he caught it. He's fighting this dude, which that's a whole thing, too, because he just walks away from the guy. He's like, the guy's going to wake up and be like, oh, yeah, I fought Spock right here. <laughs> like, that's well known. <laughs> but during the fight, he, like, knocks over one of the computers a little bit, and it, like, bounces back. So it's like, okay, these things are cardboard. <laughs> I got <gotcha>. you. Yeah. <laughs> careful with the set spot. Yeah, be careful, bro. Yeah. <laughs> Comes out of your check, Nimoy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like, I can imagine the, 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 the uh, stage guys on the side. Just like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. We need that for the next scene. Take it easy, bro. Yeah. You know how long it took us to make this? Yeah. 45 minutes. That's a long time. <laughs> oh, man. But yeah. Um, so yeah, I just like, I like how simple their tech is. It's just funny to see. Like the floppy disk is the best part. Oh, yeah. He just switches them around to be able to communicate. <laughs> so we see uh, Kirk and McCoy are pondering what happened. They're kind of wondering like, how how is this going on? And you know where does this this miscommunication is at? There's still it's kind of a big question, and uh, Kirk eventually suspects Spock of lying. He, he after the, going the long way around it, he thinks like there has to be a solution. Like, is there a chance that Spock could lie? And McCoy defends him even further, saying he's a Vulcan, he can't lie. Yeah. So I thought that was funny, and, and I think we've mentioned this before. Vulcans can lie. It's not that they can't lie. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just illogical to lie the way i mean humans lie for emotion almost always right. i think is where it's at and it's rarely a logical situation where you like need that. to lie. yeah like white lies yeah. they wouldn't be a part of but to benefit them to benefit a cause would definitely lie um i want to shout out a website called xastriscientia.org um they actually document every lie told by a vulcan throughout all of star trek and it's very interesting actually i was through there was like man too lucky you lying bitch like there's all kinds of them right. really and uh, so they definitely lie. It's just that they would prefer to withhold the truth. So like they'll they'll definitely like not say something before they actually lie. 
but they won't lie, like you're saying, for emotion. No white lies. Not like, oh, you look thin today or something like that. No, they're going to be brutally honest. Like, don't wear those pants. Like, they're going to be really honest. <laughs> with them. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So uh, after this, we're in Commodore's office, Commodore Mendez's office. Yeah. Um, and they're talking about, okay, so if, if this is, is a, a lie from Spock and we're here for whatever reason, why would this be? And they, uh, Mendez shows him the file on Talos 4 which kind of explains uh, what happened with the Enterprise. Or doesn't really explain, I don't think, anything. It shows that the Enterprise was the one that made contact with it. Um, so they put two and two together. Meanwhile, is when, when you know, Kirk beams him and uh, himself and Pike back to the Enterprise, and they take command and, and head off. They break orbit. Yeah. And so here you see Kirk is pissed. I mean, he's just like, WTF, you just took off with my ship. That's not cool. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Uh, so Spock uh, takes command and he sends Bones to go. He shows Bones where Pike is. Uh, so they, Bones is, how do you say, reprehensive or he's, you know, he's not very holding yeah. back. But- so let, let's set the stage real quick on that real quick. So first off, yeah, in that si- uh, particular situation, not only is Bones mm-hmm. not necessarily happy about the situation, but neither is Pike. Yeah. Pike didn't really want to go in that first place yeah. in the first, anyways. But it's important to note that in the entire crew of the Enterprise is under the assumption due to the Game Boy cartridges, that Kirk has given Spock full command and that there's this top secret thing, it's, nobody talk about it. So there's almost yeah. like he's kind of built this system of where it's like, yeah, it looks like I'm lying because it's supposed to. Like he's kind of built himself all these different little protections. Um, yeah. And he, and it just shows the level of intelligence Spock's ha- Spock has. He like counters everything along the way. Um, mm-hmm. And then the one person who could possibly throw a wrench in everything, Bones, was like, oh yeah, well here's Pike and Hippo, uh, you know, Crippa, whatever the heck it is. You're a doctor. Hippocratico. That one. Yeah. You're a doctor. Help yeah. him out. And so it's kind of yeah. this thing where Spock really. I just want to shout out how smart Spock was and and commandeering the Enterprise. <laughs> like it was a it was a pretty yeah. tricky move from Kirk. Very elaborate plan for sure. Yeah. Uh. So okay. After that, we see Commodore and Kirk are uh, jumped into shuttlecraft and they're they're flying after them. Again, this is another testament to the fact they had a good budget for this episode. Because it's just another set that they had. They yeah. they didn't really have to make. They could have, you know, skipped past the scene and just show the exterior of a shuttlecraft hanging on a string. Yeah. Uh, but I'm glad they, they showed, you know, them in the shuttle and talking about how they're going to run out of fuel. And it kind of, it just made it more more dramatic. They could be stranded out in space if they don't turn back. And they continue to pursue. Uh, but then we see Spock slows down for them to catch up. Well, okay, a couple things here. First off, I read somewhere that they used because the, the, we watched the remaster version right but the original shuttle yeah. was used from like another either show maybe even um was uh, kind of the okay. shuttle that they used there during this part okay so we already went through the warp speed so you guys know that that's not actually the commodore this is now actually a mm-hmm. telosian lie a telosian illusion mm-hmm. Ooh, that's cool mm-hmm. telosian illusion um <laughs> at any point did you think maybe like did you ever believe spock or do you think kirk ever believed spock was there any any time that you were fooled because there was actually, there was kind of times where I was like, wait, is Spock going bad? I was kind of confused. Like, maybe Kirk is in on it. I, a couple things I thought maybe Kirk was in on it and we're trying to catch the Commodore on something. I was legit, like, actually kind of, like, in this plot with them, you know? Yeah, no, I, be- I believed it pretty much the whole time. I was trying to, I wasn't understanding why would Spock do something bad. Like, there must be serious justification behind it. But I figured he's doing what he needs to to free his former captain. You know, I didn't realize, you know, going to Talos meant he can live a happy life. And I, I mean, yeah. I mean to, as soon as you see Talos, that kind of well, points it out. But well, I think the thing to me that was that I was kind of falling into was 
is Kirk in on it? And I for a lot of this, I thought Kirk was in on it sometimes, where I'd be like, mm. Kirk knows better. Like the recordings that had Kirk's voice on it, I was kind of like, how do you get Kirk's voice to say those things without? I mean, like he's specifically saying like Bones, don't listen to anything else, just listen to Spock. Like how? When other time did you ever say that? Like I really kind of felt like he was in on it. <laughs> So there's a lot of he stuff. He gets him drunk every once in a while. So he's like, hey, I'm going to push this button. Captain, just go ahead and say this. Yeah, Kirk's out of his mind <laughs> over there on, on the wine from the last episode. Mm-hmm. The, oh, whatever. I forget what it's called. <laughs> from that podcast <laughs> oh, we were talking about. Yeah. What was it called, John? Gosh, what was it called? Uh, we put him on the spot, guys. Tranya. Tranya. He's, he's doped out on Tranya. That's what it is. Uh, yeah. <laughs> They're in pursuit. Um, Spock has to slow down and... It kind of means he, to some extent, he didn't fail, but now he has to surrender himself. He knows, okay, they're going to come aboard. I don't want, obviously, my my captain and friend, Kirk, or this Commodore, I don't want any of them to die. So I have to stop and allow their shuttle to catch up so they can He actually tractors aboard. that shuttle, Jalen. He tractors it. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. that's like, that's that's definitely, like, you couldn't even, like, chalk it up to, like, oh, shoot, we ran out of gas, too. No, like, they actually tractored him on. Yeah, yeah, that's true. He had to reach out and save him. And I wonder if anybody ever thought, like, because we know, of course, the ambassador was, you know, he was alive, but why would the captain and an ambassador be on a shuttle chasing after Star, like a Starfleet ship? Like, it seems like you all are too high a rank to be chasing after him. So I wonder if that was ever yeah. kind of like, a, this feels off all the way around. Oh, know? like, why don't they send a security team? Exactly. To the Instead of the ambassador uh, of this planet, this station, and Kirk, they should send the, yeah. the enforcements, the law or whatever, after them. It just kind of felt like I could see Kirk doing it. I just it didn't make sense to me why the ambassador was there. Afterwards, I was like, oh, okay, that's why. But it felt off. I have, a, I have a good analogy. Okay, here we go. Have you, ever had the, have you ever had the dog run away when you were out in the front yard? Yes. Okay. No matter how far you chase after the dog, you go down the end of the lane, you go to the neighbor's house, you go to the church, you end up there and you get the dog and you don't have a leash. Mm-hmm. So you leave the house. As soon as something happens, they jumped in a shuttle and took off. They didn't think to send security because they were, oh, we're right on the tail. We're just going to stop them before they get too far. Well, we'll stop them before they get that far. Well, we'll stop them before we run out of gas. Oh, shit. We're out of we're gas. We're out of gas. So we have the two most powerful people in this quadrant. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> we're going to die. <laughs> anyway, sorry about that. I, I, that was just bugging me when, when I was first watching. I was like, why is the ambassador here? That makes no sense. He's such a weird character to be here. Yeah. And it makes sense later on, but, but mid-episode, I'm yeah. like, wait, what? Yeah, so they, they, they beam aboard, uh, Spock turns himself in, and they start the hearing. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you believe, when they do the whole hearing, did you, did you think early on, like, okay, this is going to be the end of Spock, they're going to have to imprison him after this or something, well, I mean, or I, I, I mean execute him? Right, I know there's an episode 13, <laughs> so, <laughs> so oh, we know right. that that's not going to be the case, but I, I was really confused. Okay, so here's the thing that I've I, I got to give them props for, and I'll, I'm sure you're getting to it. They start showing mm-hmm. footage from the first episode, The Cage. Which, in the context of this episode, is them looking back at 13 years to the time when they went to Talos on the Enterprise with, Cap- with Captain Pike. Yeah. And I was sitting there like, how the hell are you showing footage? Like, does the ship record in these cool angles? Like, how is this possible? You know what I'm saying? Like, that, and, yeah. and they actually explained that in the episode. So I was kind of confused. Of like, why, how are they going to explain these angles in the situation? Mm-hmm. So is... Like the commanders even like, well, yeah. these are elaborate productions you made here. You know, so they actually yeah. did kind of chalk it up to that, which is pretty interesting that they were like. Yeah, because from the beginning, it's like, well, these are, obviously aren't the security cameras that are exactly. in each room or something like that. It's right. not, this isn't somebody walking behind you guys recording it because they were there. This is third party bird's eye view, really, you know, specialized footage. Yeah. 
but yeah, that's explained to them because later they and Spock delays them like, no, 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 you guys need to listen, and then then you'll well you'll understand that later. Uh, but he later explains this is visions from the Telosians, so yeah, their mental paralysis, they're able to uh, apparently uh, recall situations from different angles. They don't, you know, they they have mental video of the whole situation, however it happened. So yeah. Uh, be able to show it so that threw me off on the trial when awesome. going into the trial I was when they started showing the footage right away I was like yeah. how are they gonna I don't understand how they're gonna explain this and that that's effect on the trial was kind of like is Spock making this up what's the because the commander the, the Commodore in this whole thing's throwing me off really is what it is mm-hmm. and so that was my concern but they explained it right away and I think he should have brought up the fact that like this is a Telosian illusion right off the bat and I think that would have saved him some time you know yeah yeah I wish they didn't Right away, point out that uh, that Talos for interaction with them is the death penalty because, to me, you know right away this isn't going to go too far because, like I was saying, we're going to keep Spock. He's going to be around afterwards, so he's going to get out of this. But if they if they change the stakes a little bit, I think I don't know it would have made it a little, a little easier to play along with. But they're trying to intensify it. They're trying to make it exciting yeah. and and a good comparison episode, which I uh, we were actually talking about this on Twitter. The the best Tom Paris episode. Uh, I don't remember the name mm-hmm. of it, but it's the one where he's telling the story from prison. Uh, it's after he helps the water planet. And so he's telling the story oh. through letters to his dad, the ambassador, or the uh, admiral. Yeah. You know, and I thought, I think that would be a better framing for this, where he's telling this from prison about the time that he commandeered Enterprise to save his Commander Pike, or his Captain Pike. That, that would be, that'd be a pretty good perspective. So you know he's and guilty, then, you know. Yeah, and at the end of the episode, they release him because... They talk to Pike. It would just be that brief period where Kirk is talking to Pike to decide if he wants to go back to the planet or not. Right. And he, you know, they could be like, okay, we understand what you, what you did and why you did it. And we're going to go ahead and beam him down to the planet. It could have been a really cool moment to intensify or to uh, strengthen the relationship between him and Kirk. Like Kirk visits him in the bridge and be like, um, you know, kind of, they kind of like talk about it. What a brig. Yeah, I'm sorry. Right, right. Kind of talk about it a little bit. And then it's like, well, time served kid or something like that. And opens a thing. You're like, I don't know. It would have been a good moment to have. I don't know. Yeah. The death penalty, you're right, was a bit much. It just, yeah. you know, told us the ending. I, I could see Kirk, too, explaining like, well, as far as I understand, the Vulcan mind processes data at a rate 10 times what a human does. So you spending, you know, a week here is yeah. like years in, in a human cell or something. That would have been so fun. <laughs> that would have been a good move. Yeah. Yeah. But Current Star Trek can do that. They failed. That TOS wasn't advanced enough in storytelling to do that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so they, they watched the videos. They, they stopped it a couple times. Like you're saying, they, the Commodore stops it early on to be like, Hey, this is, this is wrong. Like these obviously aren't real videos. This stuff is way too elaborate, too, um, pristine and precise to, to be, but Kirk kind of, or uh, Spock kind of calms him down and says, Hey, just, just wait. You need to watch all the videos and you'll understand it at the end. That's kind of how the rest of the episode goes, right? I mean, it's a lot of retelling the mantra or the, um, not the mantra, the cage. The cage, yeah. That's kind of, yeah, it passes back and forth. They they interrupt it briefly every yeah. once in a while, but that's pretty much the whole the whole rest of the second half of the episode. There's, there's or, yeah, the second I episode. would say two key things that are important to bring up for those of you who are, so everybody listen to the cage episode of both Trek Freaks and then watch the cage episode. You're, well, you're going to watch it yeah. with this one. So that, that's what's tricky about this episode because there's so much of that. But there's two things that are yeah. important to bring up. First of all, there needs to be three command, or three, yeah, commanders or whatever to hold a mutiny hearing. So they had to bring in mm-hmm. Captain Pike, who was there watching these mm-hmm. events as well, which is important because that was truly the point of this, was to convince Pike that he should come back to Talos. 
-hmm. right? And then, so there's that. The second important thing was um, the guilty verdict. So you had Pike that says, yeah, you're guilty. They, like about halfway through, they had to actually do the guilty verdict. Yeah, you're guilty from Pike. Yeah, from the Commodore, which that was obvious. But then even Kirk said he was guilty, which I was surprised by that. Did you think he was going to say guilty? No, yeah, I thought it was going to be, you know what, let's just give us another minute to watch the last of this and then we'll decide kind of yeah. thing. But no, he, he went guilty as well. That would have been a good moment to show, again, like my bond with Kirk is better than my bond with Pike almost. Yeah. Like Pike said, yeah, but Kirk stuck, stuck by me. I don't know. Again, we're, we're putting too many things into this simple story. Are trying to use old yeah. footage, you know, so it's a little tricky. Yeah, but I mean, and following their rules by law, I mean, he's guilty. There's no True. lying; it's just justifying why he's guilty for what he did or what why he did what he did. Yeah. Um. But yeah, either way, stealing the ship is was wrong. Uh, but then we we see all of Pike's journey through Talos and how all that went, and that Vina when they leave, that Vina was there and she's just mutilated. She's you know looks like Quasimodo kind of. Yeah. Uh, but but she's able to live a comfortable life because the Talosians, you know, Im impose that illusion on her. Um, so now we can understand, and, and Kirk and the Commodore can understand, that if they send Pike back, it's not just, as far as they know, it's Talos Four is the only thing they know is the name and that it has a big red stamp on it right. that says, do not enter. Yeah. You know, it's forbidden, and, and if you go there, it's, it's execution immediately. Um, and we don't know why the Federation or Starfleet put that on it, we can assume it was because of the report from, from Pike explaining that the Talusians' superior abilities led to them failing, they can manipulate people, and, you know, if we get too close, they'll manipulate us, or if we, if we get close and we, you know, take them over or whatever, we will learn their abilities, as they said, yeah. we'll learn their abilities and then do the same thing to ourselves, we'll destroy ourselves. Well, the Talosians even threatened one time with like, we could destroy a ship if, like when he's getting choked out. I could destroy a ship if I want to. And then yeah. um, Vina explained like, yeah, they'll just make them press the wrong buttons and your ship's done. Yeah. Could you imagine like yeah. passing Starfleet? <laughs> ships would just be like, doop, 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 <laughs> eject warp core. Like it would be anything. <laughs> yeah. I do yeah. want to shout out, because I wasn't here for the, the cage episode, as you guys can tell. I'm in just this one episode with Trek Freaks. Um, this really shows how smart Pike is during that, that episode of the cage. Uh, Mm -hmm. He's able to analyze the Telosians' maneuvers. Like, the Telosians are far more uh, intelligent than Pike, right? But he's able to, yeah. like, understand their reactions to things and their motivations. Like, it makes you understand that, like, yeah, Pike's an excellent, like, first contact captain. What do you think? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and like, like you're saying, from, from the beginning, right away, you know, when he was in the cage, the, one of the first things he discovers is that through extreme emotions, through, uh, what do you call it? Crude emotions or... Yeah, it's like brutal whatever. or whatever, like primal. Primal emotions, I think primal is the word they're using or something yeah. like that, you know? That, uh, that they, can't, they can't read your thoughts. So all he has to do is just stay really mad and angry and think about choking them and stuff like that. And so it, who would think like that? Who would have the... I mean, only a, a Starfleet captain would be smart enough to like, okay, what do I need to break down? Is there anything I could break down yeah. to have a little leverage in the situation? And, and he does. Uh, uh, do you think that's pretty cool? We have Anson Mount going to be reprising this role as Captain Pike. Mm -hmm. uh, do you feel like what parts of Anson Mount's Captain per uh, Perk, Captain Pike, is being pulled from this version of Pike, or do you think he's making a completely new character? I mean, I think, I think he's making a pretty new character. Yeah. I, I I think he's obviously basing his 
demeanor. He's trying to, you know, base how his personality, his demeanor off of the original Pike, but there's so little to go off of Mm -hmm. because it was just the one episode, which is a great thing. He just has a silhouette he needs to step into and then he can shape the character, build depth to the character uh, as himself. So I think he's in a great position to be able to just go lateral with it however he wants. Because Anson Mount's version that we saw in season two of Discovery was much more in touch with his emotions. It's almost like, well, actually, it is post this episode, right? Or uh, post the Cage episode. Um, it's almost like he has more of that therapy in the therapy works because, you know, the bartender slash therapist mm-hmm. scene, yeah. which is really a great scene in, in all of Star Trek. Um, I think, like, mid-therapy, you start to see that Anson Mountain version of him that's actually kind of talking about, like, the what it's like to be a captain, the constant rigors of the decisions being made and the life that are on your hands. Like, he even calls, I don't remember how many was, like, the 126 lives that are on the ship. That wears on you. And so we're at a point now when we see Anson Mount's Pike based off Discovery where he's a lot more loose and, and, and a little more charismatic. He's kind of closer to Kirk, to be honest with you. But I, I don't think they mm-hmm. want to make that mistake of making him exactly Kirk, right? Yeah. A good, but he's, he, I think he loosens up somehow. And I hope that early on we kind of see that he's going to therapy again. I think it's important that we show like the good parts of therapy in Starfleet because we don't see it a lot. Yeah. And it yeah. does a really good job in that episode. That's a good point. Nowadays, that is a lot more well understood and a much more talked about issue, mental health, and it's you know, how important it is. Uh, back in the day, it was taboo. You won't talk about right. that. That's just you're either crazy or you're not. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. like PTSD. Like we talked about before, was just called shell shock, and that it was just a you know there wasn't really treatments for this kind of stuff. But um, so maybe I'm hoping that they kind of do lean into that and expose that and use that as a tool to. Just strengthen his character. Especially yeah, since cool. in Discovery, I just remember this, in Discovery he does see the future and knows that he will get hit with Delta waves, Delta rays. Um, mm-hmm. So he actually does know that he's going to die or get you know horribly injured pretty soon. So there is that yeah. part. Yeah, I don't know. I would like to see The Cage redone as a movie. If, if Strange New Worlds is like really successful, they make a movie that retells The Cage's story. I think that'd be really cool. I could see that. I could see them elaborating on that. Yeah. You know, making it a longer longer bit i mean it was already what an hour long episode so it wouldn't take much don't need to stretch it much (laughs) but yeah it'd be pretty cool i think it's a really i do like how too in the cage the illusions were really effective and we see that they uh the the crew beams down i think it's a phaser from the ship and they channel the ship's energy through that phaser to to try to blast a hole in the door that the illusions took took pike through Mm -hmm. And they don't, they're like, they're ramping up the power as much as they can. And it's just making the door glow, but it never makes a hole in it until later when so, we see the delusions come out of it and they're, they're, they've taken down the illusion and you can see, oh yeah, all this shit was destroyed. Like we could have, you know, made our way down the, down the elevator yeah. or whatever. Uh, but we couldn't see it. We had no clue that any of it was done. So I think that kind of stuff that uh, the art of the illusion could totally be exploited more with modern technology that glass scene was so dope and again it shows how awesome pike is to think like i think this really did break i think this thing guns not malfunctioning let's test it out like let's see how you do if i shoot your brains out (laughs) like it was so cool (laughs) it was that move right there actually that's answer amount actually now i'm thinking about it that's an answer amount move right there and and even that part like i'm a big hell on wheels fan you could tell that one of his fantasies or one of his fond memories actually is what they're pulling from is he likes to go Mm -hmm. horseback riding you know we saw that in this story. So maybe that's yeah. something that we could kind of lean in on is uh, during the holodeck or whatever that they have on, on strange new worlds though. He likes to go out horseback riding sometime and kind of lean on that. Hell you, think you think they'll paint him a little more as a space cowboy. I am 
fully on board with that. That'd be dope. <laughs> yeah, that'd be really cool. Right. Might as well. He has that. He so falls into that that it's hard to not do that, I think. Yeah. All right. So where we left off was um, they were, what was it, talking about uh, Spock mm-hmm. and why he did what he did uh, and how, how, you know, Pike can live a better life and tell us for. Uh, Mendez disappeared and the Telosians reveal that he, or I think Spock yeah. explains that he was just an illusion from the beginning. And so the Telosians kind of explain why they were manipulating them and doing what they did. Um, that actually so, shocked me, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'd seen this episode multiple times, but I have a bad habit of putting on, well, because there's a channel near, uh, here that comes on at eight o'clock at night mm-hmm. and it'll play an episode of Star Trek from each series starting at eight. There's TOS and then uh, Next Gen what and a good then idea. Deep Space Nine. Yeah. Uh, so it's on every night. So for a long time, I would just put it on and, and go to bed, but I'd usually fall asleep you know, halfway through the TOS episode. Uh, so there's a lot of episodes that I've seen and I didn't get the whole story. Yeah. So this was one of them where I'd seen it multiple times, but I don't remember the the plot twist like that. Uh, so it did kind of surprise me when I was actually watching it to do notes. And I was like, oh, wait, what? He's doing vanished. Uh, how was that? And was, that was just kind of fun. Uh, but yeah, so he was illusion from the Telosians. And so uh, Kirk checks with uh, Pike and says, you know, do you, how do you feel? Do you want to go down to the planet? And once he affirms, like, yeah, you know what, I I changed my mind and I do want to go down there with a single beep. He he he's mouthy. The <laughs> 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 single beep. <laughs> but, uh, All right, chatterbox, yeah. keep it down. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, he tells Spock, go ahead and take him to the transporter room and beam him down. Uh, but on his way out, I have I have a quote here. It was it was funny to me. I love the Vulcan humor and everything. Yeah. Um, Kirk says, quote. Mr. Spock, when you're finished, please come back to see me. I want to talk to you. The, this uh, regrettable tendency you've been showing towards flagrant emotionalism. Yeah. And Spock says, I see no reason to insult me, sir. I believe I've been completely logical about the whole affair. <laughs> so that's just a funny jab between Kirk and Spock. Yeah. I love how he knows. Don't say, you know, F you, you're a douchebag. You shouldn't lie to me or nothing like that. Just tell him, you know, we need to talk about how emotional you've been lately. Yeah. And that will... That'll be a deep, deep jab on him. Yeah, I, like, I love that. Those two, I can't wait to see those that relationship form more and more over the series. That's really cool. Yeah, that's great. Okay, so uh, to, to come to the end of this, what do you think the moral of the story or the message in this episode uh, was really for you? Well, it's really tricky because there was an illusion that kind of threw things off. But I, I mm-hmm. do believe that the... The the message across the, all of it is loyalty above all, because we saw that mm. we saw a test of course of Spock to Pike. But we also saw a test of Kirk and Spock. Like he mm. kept being pushed to the brink until finally he said guilty, and then you saw that look, you shouldn't have said guilty. And it was kind of like loyalty in your friends, trusting in your friends. It's it's that test of trust, that test of loyalty in this thing. That mm. I think that a lot of times nowadays, especially we don't really have. We take so many things that at face value i'm just like give yeah. it a moment trust me i'll take care of it and we need to kind of reassure that trust in our friends that's pretty good i like that that's better than mine but i'm gonna i want to pick on yours a little bit because uh, to highlight what you're saying that spock was lying to kirk and it had been revealed that he was lying to kirk but a true friend who truly understands who he is and what he's all about and should know him better should know that 
I know you lied to me, but I still need to trust you further past yeah. this. I need to trust that your lie was for a good reason. Exactly. And I need to just back you until we get to the end of this. Cause there's no, no rhyme or reason or way in hell that you're lying to me to hurt me or to do bad or to jeopardize my career. You're lying for good reasons. So I'm still going to back you, even though I know you couldn't trust me with it. That, that's a lot. That's pretty, that's pretty deep. Yeah. Uh, so to get to my moral, what I, what I got out of this was sometimes, uh, words just can't explain it. <laughs> so <laughs> nope, yours wins. <laughs> Cause, uh, you know, they, they asked Spock multiple times, like, why are you doing this? What do you, what is the point of this? What's this purpose? Why, why do you think you need to take your old captain to this other planet? And he just tells them over and over again, just wait, just be patient. You guys just got to watch the video. It will explain everything. And sure enough, when they see everything and they can act, you know, explaining it doesn't do it justice, but to visualize what they went through on that planet and then what the power of the Telosians, what they can do, um, that not only revealed it to Kirk, but also to Pike, like, you know what, you're right. I should go back to this planet because I could live a half decent life or a happy life in this illusion. So, uh, so yeah, you know what the real meaning, you know what the real meaning is of this episode is? Sometimes What's you just that? got a lot of extra footage, <laughs> you know? <laughs> right. So as part of the trivia, I'll read here in a second. Um, Gene Roddenberry, yeah. the reason they made this episode is they ran out of scripts. And so, oh, really? Yeah. Oh, so Gene, <laughs> Gene was actually working on this to become a movie. He actually wanted to film the crash of the Columbia on Tal um, Talos. He wanted to film that part and like actually make this into a movie. Um, mm -hmm. They didn't approve that. So he had all this extra footage and they're, they were like, hey, we need more scripts. We're almost done. So he wrote the script for this, like the framing script, in three days. Mm -hmm. So all that stuff that happened. Wow. Yeah, he was in a jam. And so they filmed it. Yeah. So they got this thing done in three days. Um, and it bought him time on episode 13, 14, 15. For this two week. weeks. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's a two part. And it's, and it's so little footage. I mean, you still got to record. Right. You got to record maybe an episode's worth or three quarters of an episode's footage. And then you splice in all this previously made footage. Yeah. It, yeah, that's that's pretty smart. The editors are got to be like, thanks, Gene. I got to take that old episode <laughs> and look it into this new episode. Appreciate oh, it. Yeah, buddy. Swiss cheese it. Yeah. Nice. All right. So uh, what kind of trivia you got? All right. So uh, a little bit of this trivia is about, you know, the cage itself. So keep that in mind. Uh -huh. um, after the pilot was aired, the studio told Gene Roddenberry, get rid of that guy with the ears, Mr. Spock. But Roddenberry wanted an alien presence on the bridge and had to fight to keep the character on Star Trek. We almost had a Spockless <laughs> Star Trek. Would not That'd have done be well. so bad. Yeah. Yeah, that would have been terrible. It would not have been picked up for a second season. So the first episode of the pilot was not actually aired on TV until 1988 as a filler. Um, yeah, it was a filler in Next Generation when they had a strike for the writers. So again, oh, wow. what's cool, <laughs> a script problem brought back the same episode. <laughs> they, they didn't have any writers, to, so they had to just like, oh, we need something. So let's air the very first pilot never seen on TV. It was actually the very right. first uh, Star Trek at all to be on VHS. Because in 1980, mm. they released that episode on VHS. So when they have some issues on the Discovery script, they're just going to pump out the cage again real quick. Just yeah. a, a song and dance for everybody. Uh, let's see. This is the only ep episode of Star Trek series which uses a captain's log as a recap of the events from previous episode in a story arc. So normally they would do, in like future episodes when they do this, the future, they'll do it previously on and then go for it. This one actually used mm. an actual captain's log voiceover. So Kirk did the lines for this. So they, they could do that. Nice. I kind of like that. I, like, I mean, I like Captain's Logs in general. I know I got used to it on yeah. Voyager. It, it maybe it's more so on Voyager than other Star Treks, I think. But 
they start a lot of the episodes with the captain's log. It's a really good device for any show, really. It, it makes sense. Um, yeah. When number one and um, Colt transport to the planet, Dina states that Captain Pike would be better off reproducing with a computer than number one. Barrett <laughs> is the voice of the computer, not only in this episode, but in many future Star Trek episodes. So it's kind of a yeah. little nod to the fact that she's the computer. So all those scenes from the cage, the 66, uh, re- recorded in 66, featured Jeffrey Hunter as Captain uh, Christopher Pike. He was unavailable and unaffordable uh, for the framing story into which the scenes were uh, to be inserted. So they hired an actor called Sheen Kenny, who resembled Hunter, to film all the scenes where he's sitting in the chair. And they used heavy makeup to make it look like it was still Pike. Hmm. I wonder that, too, when you see him in the chair, like, is that the original actor or not? Because, I mean, he's covered in scars and stuff, so you can't really tell. Yeah. Um, that, that's a little bit disappointing, though. I mean, yeah. you got to give it to the actor that he's, I don't know. That, yeah, that's kind of hard. Yeah, this poor it's actor, basically unsung hero that filled in for Pike because the guy was too expensive. And, yeah. I, again, on the, onto the whole, like, Westerns thing, I looked up Hunter, and before this, he was in a lot of Westerns, and even during this, he was making appearances on Westerns. So I think he was kind of mm-hmm. like a, almost like a John Wayne-type actor uh, in those times. And then they are like, hey, you want to do a space cowboy thing? And then they did the one episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. But that's it for my trivia on this one. Yeah, I like it. You have uh, anything else you want to talk about about the episode? Any other questions or anything? That's it. We're actually about to hit 54 minutes. But because this oh, is a two-parter, man. that makes sense. I'm not, I'm not saying it's too yeah. long. This is a two-parter. But yeah, I think we're right. I think we're doing pretty good, honestly. I mean, let me know what you guys thought. Let us know what you guys thought on our social medias. We have all the social medias. What you guys thought about the menagerie, 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 and the cage? <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Great episodes that I think really set precedent for the future of the franchise. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you all for joining us. Uh, if you liked us, don't forget to subscribe. Follow us on uh, thegeekfreakspodcast.com, on our Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Even check out our TikToks. Send and us review. in questions. Review us and on review, your yeah. podcast app, especially Apple Podcasts. Helps us out a lot. Nice. And uh, listen to us on Cephalopod. Uh, but if you, if you guys can, send us in questions. We want to know your questions about our production or questions for us to read at the beginning of the episode. Uh, we ask each other one at the beginning of every episode. Yeah. Um, and until then, join us for our next episode. It's going to be season one, episode 13, uh, the con, the conscience, conscience of the King. If I could say that word. That's going to be a hard one. <laughs> next episode. The conscience it's got to be better than that last one. The, what was it called? What's the last one? The carbonite maneuver. Oh boy. I already Cor- missed yeah, it. Carbonite. There it maneuver. is. Oh boy. I kept, yeah. I keep thinking carbonite. <laughs> <laughs> carbonite. All right, do I get to do it? All I always right. want, okay. <clears throat> All right, you can do it. You do the beam up. Computer, two to beam up.